Chapter 18 of The Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter 18 An Explanatory Epistle Which Does Not Prove Satisfactory. Plans for the Future, Followed by Active Measures to Carry Them into Effect. A Morning Visit to Mrs. Gabberly. During the whole of the day which followed Miss Brotherton's expedition to Hoxley Lane, that young lady remained waiting at home not very patiently for Sir Matthew Dowling's promised communication but still it came not and when at an hour too late to hope for it any longer she at length retired to bed it was in a state of irritation and anxiety that left her little chance of quiet slumber pale harassed and fearing she knew not what for the little fellow for whose safety she had undertaken to answer miss brotherton joined her good nurse at the breakfast-table incapable of thinking or speaking upon any other subject but it was in vain that the gentle-spirited mrs tremlett again and again declared it to be impossible and quite out of all likelihood that sir matthew should mean any harm by the boy mary though weary of conjectures could by no means end them by coming to the same conclusion nor did the following letter handed to her while she still sat before her untasted breakfast greatly tend to tranquillize her it was from sir matthew dowling himself delicately enveloped highly scented and sealed with prodigiously fine armorial bearings on a shield almost large enough to have adorned the panels of a carriage but all this perfection of elegance was lost on poor mary whose heart indeed seemed to leap into her throat as she tore open the important despatch it contained the following lines my charming neighbour if you knew or could at all guess how fervently i admire the beautiful benevolence you have manifested in trying to quiet the fidgety spirit of poor widow armstrong you would be better able to appreciate the vexation i feel at not yet being able fully to answer your inquiries concerning the boy think not my dearest miss brotherton that i neglected this business to-day on the contrary i do assure you i gave my whole attention to it nevertheless i have by no means succeeded in learning what you wish to know the facts of the case are these a most respectable stocking manufacturer with whom however my foreman is better acquainted than myself employs a multitude of young hands most of whom are apprentices in the different branches of his business it was to this person that the weak and wavering poor woman for whom you are interested agreed to entrust her boy indentures were accordingly prepared and i gave my superintendent orders to have the little fellow supplied with all necessaries desiring that no time might be lost in getting him ready as i knew that people belonging to this stock-weaving establishment were likely to pass through ashley in a day or two and i wished if possible to avoid having the trouble of sending him to his destination myself now it unfortunately happened that my man parsons obeyed this order much more literally than i intended for meeting in ashley the persons i had named to him the very next day he immediately mentioned the circumstance to them and finding that they had a comfortable van and everything convenient with them the whole business was arranged and done before i returned from a visit i had been making at netherby this was certainly being more prompt than was necessary but it would have mattered little comparatively speaking had he not been such a goose as to let the van drive off without even asking to which of the manufactories of the establishment it was going yet although this is vexing my dear miss brotherton i should think it could not be very important i have told parsons to write about it immediately and he shall wait upon you with the information you wish for as soon as he receives it will you my fair friend join us in a little picnic party projected by our young people for thursday next under the greenwood tree in blackberry wood lady clarissa is of course to be one of our society and she will communicate all particulars respecting place and time 
ever my dear miss brotherton very faithfully yours matthew dowling having read this letter to the end she turned the sheet and began a reperusal of it without uttering a word and when she had again reached its conclusion she put it into the hands of mrs tremlett still without speaking a word before however that excellent but not rapid lady had got half through it poor mary's agitation broke forth what do you think of it nurse for heaven's sake give me your opinion without delay i am quite sure that the poor creatures in hoxley lane whom i have beguiled with my presumptuous promises will pine themselves to death with this uncertainty tremlett for mercy's sake finish reading it and tell me what i can do more it might not have been very easy for any one to have satisfactorily answered this inquiry but the good mrs tremlett was altogether incapable of forming any opinion worth hearing on the subject for in truth she neither shared nor fully comprehended the vague fears that were tormenting her young mistress having however at length despite of mary's interruptions contrived to reach the end of the epistle her first words were don't my darling miss mary let me beg of you to refuse at once there is nothing in the world so dangerous in cold-catching as these foolish parties on the damp grass and besides the evenings are drawing in now and i am sure oh nurse tremlett nurse tremlett interrupted mary more angry with her than she had ever been in her whole life before how can you be so cruel as to trifle thus why won't you try to think a little for me about this strange mysterious business and give me your opinion lord bless you miss mary if you were to kill me i could not more help thinking of you first than i could fly replied mrs tremlett and indeed my dear i don't see what you should put yourself into such a fuss for what can you think is going to happen to the little boy you'll just spoil that poor sickly body my dear child if you encourage her in having such tantrums because her boy set out upon his journey a day may be earlier than she expected then you really and truly do not believe it possible nurse that sir matthew dowling should have smuggled the boy away without intending to let us know where he has sent him said miss brotherton good gracious no miss mary replied her friend for a moment this opinion brought some consolation with it simply from the decision with which it was uttered but the next all her anxiety returned again for though she felt that there was perhaps something improbable and exaggerated in the idea of the child's being kidnapped in the face of day and as it were before a hundred witnesses there was at least no delusion as to his unhappy mother's state of mind respecting him nor in the fact of her having in some sort pledged her own word that the poor woman and her lame boy should receive tidings of him a little further conversation with mrs tremlett convinced her that her opinion on the subject could be of no great value inasmuch as it was founded solely on the notion that it was not likely sir matthew dowling should want to hide away the little boy no thought mary nor was it likely he should have acted looked and spoken as i saw him do when his poor girl lost her senses from agony at my having witnessed it if i misdoubt him unjustly i will be careful that it shall not injure him i will await his own time for information if it comes no one will be the worse for the impatience with which i shall have waited for it but if it comes not i can be doing no wrong by taking every means of seeking it in conformity with this resolution miss brotherton not only waited with tolerable external composure herself but continued in a great degree to tranquillize the spirits of the widow armstrong likewise and during a whole week sir matthew dowling was permitted to remain unmolested miss brotherton indeed did not meet him under the greenwood tree pleading an indisposition 
which was not quite imaginary as her excuse but she troubled him with no more questions on the day fixed for this alfresco meeting of nearly the whole neighbourhood edward armstrong was appointed to pay his first visit to milford park during her almost daily visits to his mother she had remarked that though he uttered not a word in contradiction of the reasonings by which she sought to show the improbability that any mischief could have befallen michael his speaking features expressed no confidence in them and wishing upon this day of general riding and driving to remain within her own gates she determined to take the opportunity of conversing with him alone she was by herself in her pretty boudoir when he arrived and perceiving that his pale face was flushed by heat and exercise she made him sit down on the sofa beside her there was something singularly sad in the utter indifference with which his young eye wandered over all the striking and unwanted objects that surrounded him when bad to sit beside the young lady on her silken couch he obeyed without seeming at all conscious that the rest he needed was now afforded in more dainty style than usual and all the intelligence of his soul seemed settled in his eyes as he looked into the face of miss brotherton and faintly murmured is there any news of him no edward there is not replied mary firmly but surely my dear boy this delay cannot justify the look of misery it produces on your countenance tell me edward what is it that you fear for michael i do not know myself replied the boy and yet i think it over in my head day and night only to find out what is the very worst possible they can do to him but is that wise edward or is it right think you while your poor mother has only you left to comfort her that you should only strive to fill your own head and hers with the very worst thoughts your fancy can conjure up i do not fill mother's head with them replied edward i have never told her one single word of all my dismal thoughts then you are a good boy and i love you for it but what are your dismal thoughts edward you may tell them to me the boy hesitated for a moment and then said i think sir matthew dowling is a wicked cruel man and i think that he would be more likely to be wicked and cruel to michael than good to him what is it has made you think sir matthew cruel and wicked edward demanded miss brotherton because he is hard and unjust to those who labour for him and because i have seen him laugh and make sport of the tears of little children there was something in the accents of the boy that startled mary she felt inclined to exclaim how much older art thou than thy looks so thrilling was the tone and so profound the feeling with which she spoke yet still she replied it is difficult to see that he could gain any advantage by ill-using michael in any way bad enough to make you look so miserable edward if he keeps him from me is not that enough said the pale boy looking reproachfully at her but edward you knew that he was going to leave you and your mother at least consented to it yes she did consent to it poor dear mother she did consent to it but had i been true as i ought to have been she never would said edward clasping his hands and closing his eyes with a look of intense suffering explain yourself my dear boy said mary kindly in what have you been otherwise than true we agreed together poor michael and me agreed together never to let mother know how bad we were served at the mill and above all we agreed that she should never know how miserable michael was at the great house cause we was sure she'd have him away and so lose the bit of comfortable food she has been having but it was wrong and wicked to deceive her we should have told her all and then michael would have never gone you acted for the best my dear boy and must not reproach yourself replied mary and so far am i from thinking it wrong to keep her mind easy in her present state of health 
that i strongly advise her being still comforted as much as possible by our manner of talking to her fear not edward that i shall neglect the safety of michael because you will not hear me talk of his being in any danger i will not rest till i know what has become of him mary said this in a tone that left no doubt of her sincerity and it was then for the first time that edward seemed to remember her greatness he stood up before her with a look of tender reverence inexpressibly touching and said solemnly then god will bless you for it and he will bless you my dear child replied mary with tears starting to her eyes he will bless and comfort you for all your duty and affection keep up your spirits edward and above all things never be idle it is for your mother's sake as well as your own that i am anxious you should learn to read and write dear edward and by degrees we shall get you on to ciphering and who knows but we may make a clerk or accountant of you and so enable you to get money even if your health is not very good the boy smiled languidly as he replied i should like it very much if i was to live long enough you will get stout and well edward said mary cheerfully now that you have no hard work to do and you shall come up to the same school that all my boys and girls go to here and when school is over you must come every day to my kitchen with a little basket for your mother you understand edward and once every week you must come up into this room to me with your books that i may see your writing and hear you read a little a gleam of hope and joy kindled in the boy's beautiful eyes as he listened to her and a bright blush mantled his pale cheeks but it was like the flitting sunshine of april chased by a heavy cloud almost before its warmth could be felt or its beauty seen oh if michael could but hear that he exclaimed while tears for the first since the conversation began burst from his eyes that was what poor michael always wanted if i could but learn and so get my bread without mill slavery mike always said he would not mind working himself cause he was so strong but now that very thing is come and he may be will never know it heavy and fast the drops fell from beneath the hand which he had raised to conceal his face till mary as she watched him wept for company this however was not the way to help him and conquering a weakness so every way unwise she spoke to him with affectionate but steady firmness of the exertion it was his duty to make at a time when his mother had none but him to comfort her she had touched the right string the little fellow's nerves seemed braced and every faculty awakened by the words she uttered and if he took back to his mother no tidings of poor michael he brought to her support a young spirit strong in endurance and an intellect that for the first time had whispered to its owner hopes promises and aspirations which seemed to make the life he had often loathed a new-found treasure to him mary saw not all that passed in the young mind she had rescued from the listless languor of despair but she perceived enough to satisfy her that she had done him good and that however vain her hopes of benefiting the miserable drakes might be there could be no doubt that in this case at least her efforts would not prove wholly abortive it is wonderful what an energy and renewed impetus this conviction gave to her spirits no mildew can blast more surely or bring a more lamentable feeling of withering over the heart than that caused by the cold and false philosophy which would check every effort to do good lest by possibility success might not attend it the remainder of this day was by no means spent unhappily by the warm-hearted little heiress the schoolmistress was made to expect edward on the morrow and the cook was made to expect edward on the morrow one mercury was dispatched to the town for a choice of collection of slates copies spelling-books and the like 
and another to mary's tailor in ordinary with instructions to call on the widow armstrong and take measure of her son all this business and a good deal more tending the same way having been satisfactorily got through in the course of the day that kept all the ashley world safely entangled in the thickets of blackberry wood mary brotherton lay down to rest and slept exceedingly well though not urged thereto by having shared in their pleasant fatigues she rose the next morning with a sort of pleasant consciousness of increasing power to walk alone in this busy world and gaily announced at breakfast to mrs tremlett her purpose of immediately making a visit of speculation to mrs gabberly in order to ascertain if any gossip was yet afloat respecting the disappearance of sir matthew dowling's far-famed protege the distance from miss brotherton's mansion to mrs gabberly's cottage was not great and the heiress traversed it without having any fear of officers before her eyes or any other protection than her parasol she was of course received with expressions of unmitigated astonishment at her absence from the gala of the preceding day what on earth my dear child could have kept you away said the animated lady perhaps i was afraid of taking cold mrs gabberly mrs tremlett took care i should remember how short the days are growing mrs tremlett nonsense well now i can tell you that you just lost the most delightful day that anybody ever had such a dinner game of all kinds almost all in savoury jelly too think of that so wholesome you know with the spice and eating it in the open air and all depend upon it my dear miss brotherton that if you suffer yourself to be boxed up by that ignorant old woman you will very soon lose your health altogether and do you know i can't help thinking that you look rather feverish to-day your eyes have that sort of brightness i wish to goodness you would let me feel your pulse nothing will do my pulse so much good my dear mrs gabberly as your telling me all the news you heard yesterday said the young lady good-humouredly shaking the hand that was extended to ascertain her state of health well now my dear i am sure i have no objection in the world to tell you and certainly one does pick up a vast deal of information at such a party as that will you believe it two of the simonses are going to be married really that's very good news i suppose had you a great many people there oh everybody just everybody but your own dear self and i can truly say that if you had been there it would have been quite perfect you are very kind but a person so very much afraid of taking cold is always troublesome on these alfresco occasions lady clarissa was there of course of course my dear in such a flirtation with sir matthew god knows i ain't over strict in any way i despise it because it shows such ignorance of life and good society but i must say i do think they carry the thing a little too far of course a lady of rank and title like lady clarissa is not to be judged altogether like common people i am quite aware of that and nothing can be more thoroughly vulgar than forgetting this and i certainly have lived too much in really first-rate good society not to know it but nevertheless you know there is reason in roasting eggs and even an earl's daughter may get talked of was lady dowling in presence inquired miss brotherton smiling no my dear thank god she was not or we should have had sour looks with our sweet meats i can tell you did sir matthew bring his little favourite with him the little boy he has adopted you know oh dear haven't you heard all that yet well now 
upon my word mary brotherton it will not do you're shutting yourself up in this way catching cold indeed as if i the daughter of my own poor dear father wasn't likely to know more than mrs tremlett about catching cold why my dear the little boy has been sent away i don't know how long with a monstrous premium paid by sir matthew to get him entered at one of the first commercial houses in europe dr crockley was exceedingly agreeable and attentive to me all day yesterday and indeed so he was i must say to everybody we do sometimes differ about spinal complaints and i think he is a great deal too speculative but it is impossible to deny that he can be very agreeable when he chooses it and it was he that told me all about this last noble act of sir matthew to be sure he is an honour to the country if ever there was one sir matthew i mean it is such men as that miss brotherton that brings wealth and prosperity to our glorious country to think only of the hands he employs fifteen hundred children taking all his mills together he told us yesterday besides several women and men oh it is glorious to be sure however dr crockley did just whisper to me but i don't believe he meant it should go much farther he did certainly hint that poor cross lady dowling did not like to have the little fellow in the house and that was one reason why good sir matthew was in such a hurry to place him did you happen to hear to what part of the country the boy had been sent mrs gabberly why no my dear i can't say i did but that makes no difference you know everybody is aware that it is a noble situation for him and that's the main point of course oh certainly i only asked from idle curiosity and i suppose mrs gabberly that it is because i am so idle that i do often feel curious about things that nobody else seems to care about do you know i am dying to get into a factory and see all these dear little children at work it must be so pretty to see them all looking so proud and so happy and all enjoying themselves so much i really must get a peep at it said miss brotherton la my dear what a very queer notion replied mrs gabberly perhaps it is said mary smiling as nobody else in the whole neighbourhood ever talks about it but if i have such a fancy there can be no reason why i should not indulge it can there why good gracious my dear child only think of the dirt you would be downright poisoned mary poisoned how can that be dear mrs gabberly when everybody agrees that it is such a blessing to the country to have brought such multitudes of children to work together in these factories nonsense my dear replied mrs gabberly knitting her brows this is some of mrs tremlett's vulgar ignorance i am very sure how can a girl of your good understanding miss brotherton speak as if what was good and proper for the working classes had anything to do with such as you fie my dear pray never let anybody in the neighbourhood hear you talk in this strange wild way i do assure you that there is nothing that would do you so much injury in the opinion of all the first families hereabouts and nobody knows this neighbourhood better than i do i am quite aware of that mrs gabberly said the young lady very respectfully and that is one reason why i wish to talk to you about this notion of mine is it really true mrs gabberly that none of the ladies in the neighbourhood ever go into the factories to be sure it is why should they go for goodness sake oh i don't know exactly 
but i cannot see why they should not if they wish it replied miss brotherton modestly well now but i do my dear and i do beg and entreat that you won't talk any more about it i am quite sure mary that somebody or other has been talking nonsense to you about all this if you have got any friends or connections to words fairly now i should think they had been telling you all the romantic stuff that has been hatching there about factory children and god knows what beside but i don't believe you have ever gone visiting that way have you my dear and who is there at fairly dear mrs gabberly who would be likely to talk to me on such a subject said mary colouring to the temples with eagerness to hear the answer good gracious my dear did you never hear tell of that poor wrong-headed clergyman george bell such a difference to be sure between one man and another my dear good mr gabberly never in his life breathed a word that could hurt the feelings of his neighbours he visited them every one and was on the best and most friendly terms with them all which is what i call living in the true spirit of christian charity whereas this tiresome troublesome mr bell has taken it into his head to find out wrong where everybody else sees nothing but right and god forbid my dear that you should take it into your dear innocent head to follow any of his mischievous fancies i wonder what he'll get by it great goose he must be to be sure not to see that he is going exactly the way to set everybody that can be of the least use to him smack against him in all things what is it he does mrs gabberly that is so very wrong demanded miss brotherton what is it he does why just everything he ought not to do my dear that's all you would hardly believe perhaps that a clergyman should actually encourage the poor to complain of the very labour by which they live and yet i give you my word and honour that is exactly what he has been doing it's incredible isn't it almost he positively says loud enough for all the country to hear him that the labour in the factories such a blessing as it is to the poor he actually says that it is bad for the children's health such stuff you know my dear as if the medical men did not know best and there's numbers of em that declare that it's quite impossible to tell in any way satisfactory that it can't do em any harm at all and upon my word i don't know what poor people will come to it's quite out of the question to attempt pleasing em if they've got no work they are perfectly outrageous about that and ready to tear people to pieces just to get it and no sooner is there enough to do than away they go bawling again swearing that the children are overworked isn't it provoking my dear mr george bell said mary very distinctly yes my dear that's the name of the foolish man who seems to take a pleasure in making people fancy they are not well enough off when i'm sure by all i can hear and understand these very identical people may consider themselves first and foremost of the whole world for prosperity replied mrs gabberly fairly rejoined miss brotherton interrogatively yes my dear fairly's where he lives if i don't mistake good morning mrs gabberly said the young lady rising somewhat abruptly i am very glad you had such a pleasant day yesterday good-bye and without permitting the stream of mrs gabberly's eloquence to well forth upon her afresh the heiress slipped through the parlour door and escaped End of chapter eighteen